Good morning, church. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, great to be with you all this morning. Some things in life just go together. Can I get an amen? Some things in life just go together. I spent some time thinking about this this week. Uh, I'm going to say a statement, and then I want you to fill in the blank when I pause. So these are things that just go together, all right? Macaroni and cheese. Mac and cheese. Nothing goes together like mac and cheese. All right, how about this? Peanut butter and peanut butter and jelly. Somebody said banana. They're from the Midwest. Um, now, I was thinking that this might reveal that I'm from a different cultural background than many of you. I was going to say beans and rice. In the Midwest, we say beans and cornbread, right? That's a little bit different. Okay, so then I started to think about some people in our church that would just be kind of easy targets when I mention a name, something that goes along with those people. You might not know some of these individuals, so if I mention your name, I just want you to slip your hand up real quick so everybody will know uh, who you're talking about. So not you, you all might not know Wally Thomas. Wally, if you'd raise your hand, it's this handsome gentleman right here. When I think of Wally Thomas, I think of a person who fixes knee pain. Wally has given me many injections in my knee. That's his forte. So I think Wally Thomas, I think knee pain. All right, let me give you another one. Tommy Barker is this handsome gentleman right here. Got his hand up. When I think of Tommy Barker, um, I used to think of Ole Miss, but they don't have a football team anymore. So I think of banking when I think of Tommy Barker. I think of banking. Okay, uh, in front of him a little bit is a handsome gentleman named Richard Massey. Richard Massey. Put your hand up real quick there, Richard. So when I think Richard Massey, I think LSU football. No, I'm kidding. I think Mississippi State. Mississippi State. He's a huge Mississippi State fan. All right, let me give you, let me give you two more. Neil Heath. I think he's, I don't know if he's, okay, yeah, Neil and Karen. All right, so uh, he's sitting right up here, always dressed in a really great-looking suit. You guys wouldn't know this, but almost every Sunday, he has bubble gum that he gives my kids. So when I think Neil and Karen, I think bubble gum, right? Some things in life are just better together. They just go together. Uh, Batman and Robin would have been one that I could have mentioned early on. I could have said chips, and you guys hopefully would have said salsa, chips and salsa. There are some things in life that are just better together. So if we go to Ephesians chapter 3 this morning, if you turn there in your Bible, the Apostle Paul gives us a sense of some things that are better together. This is Ephesians 3, 17 through 19. And at the conclusion of service, David Bromley is going to get up. He's going to talk to you a little bit about group link. Some men and women are wearing these Better Together shirts today. And they want to invite you to join their community group. And uh, that's the purpose of this sermon is to encourage you to join a community group by pointing out that you really are better when you are living life together with other men and women who are members of the body of Christ. So let's go to Ephesians 317, and let's talk about this briefly. Uh, the, the Bible says this, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, here's a really important phrase, together with all the Lord's holy people, 
to grasp how wide and how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Your life is going to be a better life when it is a life lived and dwelled by the Lord Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ has transformed you on the inside, church family, everything on the outside makes sense. And it's not until an internal transformation has occurred that an outside external transformation will also occur. So the first thing you got to get right to be live, living a life that's truly better together is have your right life right with Christ and then everything else in life can get right. But the Apostle Paul wants us to take it one more step further. It's not just about having the Lord Christ within me, in my heart, transforming me day to day. It's about living together with God's people. And so when Christ lives in me and I live in community, I can learn how long and how high, how wide and how deep the love Christ has for me truly is. Because when others love me and I get to love them and I do that in a sacrificial, uh, unconditional way that Christ loves me, it gives me a, a real tangible sense of what the love of God really is like. And the last part of that phrase in the 19th verse is that when we're living in community, first in community with Christ and second in community with other men and women who have also been transformed by Christ, we get the fullness of God in our lives. And I, that Paul mentions that a couple of different times in Scripture. Colossians chapter 2, verse 10, for example. You are complete in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Ephesians 3.19, you'll be full in the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, it's in Jesus Christ we find every missing piece we've been looking for in life. And those are found in community with other Christians. So the question we would ask ourselves today, given those verses, is what is it really that gets better when God's people get together? What is it that gets better when God's people get together? So I'm going to give you a few things. These are all from the book of Ephesians that really get better when God's people get together. And my hope is that every single person of the sound of my voice was already committed to joining a community group after service today. But if any of you weren't, it's my hope that after today's sermon, you'll understand a few very practical reasons why living in community with other Christians will make your life better. So in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19, the Apostle Paul says, life in general gets better when God's people are living in community together. Life itself gets better. Let me give you this verse. You are members... Of God's very own family, citizens of God's country, and listen to this, listen to these two words. You belong. Everybody say that with me. You belong. Let's say that one more time. You belong. You are members of God's very own family, citizens of God's country. And, and then anytime you've ever wondered in life, where do I belong? Where should I fit in? What's my purpose? Where's that place that I just perfectly fit in life like a jigsaw puzzle piece in a 10 million piece puzzle? Where do I belong? God answers it for you right here. 
You belong in God's household with every other Christian. That's where you belong. Think about how crazy it would, it would look if a, if a professional ice hockey team were to run out onto a baseball field completely dressed to play ice hockey, except they're on a baseball field. They just don't belong there. That doesn't fit. Or how about a football player dressed in full pads going and sitting in, an, in a symphony orchestra? That wouldn't make sense. It doesn't fit. And there is no concept in the scriptures of a Christian who lives in isolation. An isolated Christian doesn't, as a ballerina playing professional football, just doesn't fit. In other words, you cannot show up to church and shake hands and smile at people and then leave and stay totally disconnected from God's people for the other 165 hours a week and really, truly find the place that you belong. And here's the truth. And I've got this up on the screen for you. If you were going to write this down in a sentence, I would say it like this. When you are where you belong, life gets better. You are better. Some of the anxiety you deal with, maybe some of the depression you deal with, maybe some of the struggles in your marriage that you deal with, you fill in the blank. All I can tell you is that God is very clear. There's a place you belong. It's in God's household. It's with every other Christian. And when you are where you belong, you are better. Okay? You've also been designed for loyalty. You've also been designed for loyalty. And this is the next verse I want to give to you. This is from Ephesians chapter 4. I've got this up on screen for you. Loyalty gets better when you get together with God's people. Not only does life really genuinely get better, but loyalty gets better. You were designed for loyalty. Ephesians 4.3, God says this. You should make every effort in life to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. The New Living Translation, uh, instead of bond of peace, says make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit by binding yourself together with other Christians in a spirit of peace. But you cannot bind yourself together with other Christians if you don't live in community with other Christian people. And I'll tell you another truth. You never get stronger in your ability to be loyal until you've had someone test your loyalty. Until you've had someone promise you something and they've broken that promise and you have to stay in the saddle and stay committed to that person, you can't strengthen your loyalty. Until you've had somebody gossip a little bit about you and you have to rise above the gossip and not return like for like and gossip right back about that person, you cannot strengthen your loyalty. But if you will stay committed to living in community with God's people and bind yourself to God's people with the spirit of peace and stay unified to God's people regardless of their flaws, regardless of their failures, and regardless of their fears, then God will strengthen your ability to be loyal and you'll find that your loyalty gets better. So not, not only does loyalty get better, but you also become more built up and strong in the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 4.12 says, God will equip 
his people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up. Someone's life depends on your commitment to live in community with them. And it's going to be difficult and they're going to let you down and sometimes you're going to feel burned. But if you'll allow yourself to really be equipped for the service that God leads you to, he will build you up and strengthen you for that commitment. When you are where you belong, you are built up. God will provide you the strength necessary to become the loyal person that he's designed you to be. So not only does life get better and loyalty get better and you get better and you become more built up. How about this? Lying gets better. Now probably you didn't walk in here today and think, you know, the one thing I hope God changes about my life in this upcoming season of community groups is that I'll lie less. And I think most of us wouldn't consider ourselves liars. Let me get scripture from Ephesians chapter 4 verse 25. The Bible says this, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For listen to this, we are all members of one body. Now, a number of times in Ephesians, I'm not going to go through, I, I don't want you to necessarily go through these on the screen, but listen to this. A number of times in Ephesians, the Bible uses this kind of language. Right here, the Bible says, You are members of one body. In chapter 2, verse 21, the Bible says you're joined together. In chapter 2, verse 22, the Bible says you're built together. You're members together in chapter 3, verse 6. Heirs together, uh, held together in chapter 4 and verse 15. Members together right here in chapter 4, verse 25. The Bible intends for you to live together. To live in community with one another. That's God's purpose. That's where you really belong. But here's what our natural instinct is. And if you read the fourth chapter of Ephesians, you'd see the human being's natural instinct um, is to have our, our, our understanding darkened and our heart to become hard. And we give ourselves over to sens- sensuality or sinfulness with a continual lust for more. That's our natural instinct. And when we sin and when we fail, our natural instinct is to pretend like we haven't really sinned and haven't really failed. And so we show up to church carrying the burden and weight of our sin and wear a different pretense on our face. And usually we live by the unwritten rule in church. When you show up, pretend like everything is fine. When you show up, pretend like everything is fine. At one time in my life, Kirsten and I have had an argument before I've preached a sermon. Can you imagine that? So, and, and she later realized that she had made a mistake and was wrong. And so that really, um, helped me with my healing that she was willing to take ownership for her fault. And I just said, babe, if you'll never do that again, we'll never argue again. Okay. Uh, no, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Um, but it's easy to show up and pretend like everything is fine. And if we don't abide by that unwritten law, then, then we at least tend to abide by another unwritten law. If you can't show up and pretend like everything's fine, minimize how bad things really are. Don't really go into it. When people ask, hey, how you doing? As a rule, there's this unwritten rule. I don't want to know the full weight of really how you're doing if it's really bad. So you just minimize, pretend like it's not as bad as it is, and then we'll kind of float through service and we can go on our merry way. Or 
If you can't abide by the first two, we tend to say, okay, if you can't show up and pretend like it's fine and you can't minimize how bad it really is, at least don't ask for help on the same issue more than one time, right? Come here, get it figured out, move on, and quit complaining. But there is so much more than that pretense. There's so much more depth and intimacy that God desires for his people than just to show up and pretend like things are fine or to show up and pretend like they're not as bad as they are or to show up and only ask for help with an issue one time when really I should be riding the pine on this front row for sometimes years as God deals with me on a particular issue. But in Christ and in community, size does matter. And smaller really is better. Size matters and smaller really is better. And I promise you it will be easier for you to get authentic and speak truth to a group of 10 or 20 people that you know intimately, that you do life together with, that know your birthday, that know your kids' names, that know where you work, that know some things about your family of origin, that know some of your character defects, that know some of your struggles, that know some of your hopes and dreams and aspirations. In a group that size, it's easier to live out Ephesians 4.25 where I'm speaking truthfully to my neighbor. And it's also going to be way easier... In a group that size with people who know me that well, for them to speak truth and life into my life and admonish me and for me to receive it, and the opposite is true, for me to be able to speak truth and life into their lives and for them to be able to receive it. It would be totally awkward for me to admonish people in a group of this size or for somebody to get up in service and go over and admonish you. But what about a small community of people gathering together on, an, on a weekend or a weeknight and loving on each other and encouraging each other and building each other up just like they belong. So this is the next truth. When you are with the people you belong with, you get a little bit bolder. And if it's really true that the truth will set you free, then it's your responsibility to get in the type of situation where you can really be honest with what's going on with you and be open to some feedback from, from others who are honestly investing in you. Not only does lying get better, not only are you able to destroy the pretense that normally plagues Western Christians, but living itself gets better. I'm going to stay in Ephesians chapter 4. Let's go to verse 16. The Bible says this, From him... From Christ, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And there is work for you to do. I was thinking about this point and I thought, you know, it is so much more fulfilling to live life on purpose than it is to live life on accident. Can I get an amen? It is so much more fulfilling to live life on purpose than it is to live life on accident. Think about a a trip that you've been on. And some of you prefer to travel like this and you're totally crazy. But can you imagine the headache involved 
at least with me, if my wife and I loaded up in our vehicle with an, a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 6-year-old with no plan, no sense of direction, and no sense of purpose, we got no clue whether to pack clothes for a warm environment or a cold, no clue how, how, how long we needed to pack for, no clue how much money we need to budget, where our first stop's going to be, where we're going to eat, where the hospitals are along the way. And some of you families with young kids know you plan your route based on how close you can get to hospitals along the way. It, it, it would be totally uh, difficult to travel like that and make so much more sense to have a plan and to travel on purpose. But lots of us are willing to live life as though that's not the truth. We don't have a purpose. We don't have a plan. Mike talked about direction, not perfection. Sometimes I'll share that with families and I'll also say, even if you don't know your destination, just to head in the right direction, knowing a few critical stops you've got to make along the way will make things make more sense. And that's my demand for you. If you, if you really will allow your life to be lived on purpose in community with God's people, the way you live will get better. You'll live more purposeful and less accidental. And you'll develop the equipment to handle whatever life throws at you. This idea of loyalty is about strength. This idea of living, for me, is about having the right tools to succeed. If you have the right tools and the wrong strength, you're over-resourced and under-trained. And if you have the right strength and the wrong tools, you're over-trained and under-resourced. Each is going to lead to difficulty and struggle. It's about having the right strength and the right tools and combining the two to find success in living and in life. Last thing I want to mention this morning is loving. So when you are where you belong, you get bigger. Your tool belt gets more full and you have the right equipment to address the things that life throws at you. Last thing, loving gets better. So if I go back through these things, what we've talked about is life gets better, living gets better. Uh, loyalty gets better, lying gets better, and now loving gets better. This is a very powerful illustration that Paul uses in Ephesians chapter 5. The Bible says Christ loved the church and he gave himself up for her. That's the sacrifice Christ was willing to make for this little community. What sacrifice are you willing to make for this same little community? Christ lived every waking moment of his life in sinless perfection to die so that the church, his bride, could be redeemed. And some of us would, walk, would have to walk up to, to Christ today and say something along the lines of, Jesus, I really, really love you, but I'm not so hot on your wife. And if that's where our heart is, our heart needs to be transformed We can't love the bridegroom and not be actively engaged, involved with, and in love with the bride. And anybody who's ever been married knows that there's always an issue or two that can be resolved with any bride or any groom. And the fact that the church isn't always perfect doesn't mean we don't have to continue to serve and engage and connect with and love The church that God sent his son to die for and to redeem. Can I get an amen? If Christ 
is willing to make the church so special that he should die for it. You should make the church and community group so significant in your life, you're willing to sacrifice a little bit for it. So here's a few critical questions uh, that I want to say after I say, when you are where you belong, church, you are beloved. You are the beloved of God when you are where you belong. He gave his life to redeem you when you are where you fit. So here's a few critical questions. The first is, and I've got these on screen for you. If, if you really love God and you really love the church, how can you say you love one another if you don't commune together? In other words, you can't say, God, I love you and, and I love your bride, but I don't really have time to gather or I can't really answer an extra phone call or to set up a booth on Sunday morning for group link or, or to cook some goodies and bring or to sign up. I really, I really can't do that. And here's the truth. You cannot say you love one another if you don't commune together. How about this? How can we love one another if we aren't connected with one another? How can you really love on me if you don't know the burden that I'm carrying? And how can you help me carry that burden if we're not in communion together and connected to a degree in that community? You can't. And then we can't really know how wide and deep and how long and how high the love of Christ is because there aren't hands and feet of Jesus types of people in my life who are living in community with me and who are connected in community with me. And how can we love one another if we aren't really concerned about each other? You can't. You cannot really love one another if you're not concerned about each other. I want to end with some words of Jesus. This is from John chapter 13. And Jesus says this in terms of his thoughts on community. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples. Not if your church attendance is perfect. Not if the way you practice church and organize church perfectly corresponds with the New Testament. Not if you memorize all scripture. Not if you preach good sermons. Not if you baptize 10,000 people a year. This is the one thing that's going to mark you as a disciple of mine, that you love one another. That's other Christian men and women, that you love one another. He says that three times in John 13 alone, this exact same statement. When you are where you belong, everything else makes sense. Life has meaning and purpose And you get the direction that God intends, even if you don't always know the destination. And I promise you, if you will, if you will take the Lord up on these truths, he will change your life. And I hope you do not leave church today without getting involved with other men and women in the church and really figuring out what all in your life gets better when you live life together. I'm going to pray. We're going to have an invitation time and then David's going to get up and he's going to describe a little bit about what happens next for our group link Sunday. And I really hope that you'll get get with it, guys. Let's bow. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much, God, for this church. Uh, Thank you so much, God, for uh, your word. And most of all, Lord, thank you for Jesus. If we get right with Christ and if we get in community with other men and women in the church, then our life will get better. 
And I just ask that you would help us all to be willing to take that challenge and to step out of our comfort zone into our grown zone a little bit where we get a little uncomfortable and enter into a growth zone, God, where you can conform us more into the image of Jesus through the relationships we build and through the power of your spirit. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. It's in Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. Please stand with me while together we sing.